You are listening to the Majority Black Detroit Talks podcast, where Detroit residents from all walks of life speak on Detroit-specific issues that affect themselves and their communities. Our mission is simple. Make the connection between the inequities Majority Black Detroit faces in our day-to-day lives and the elected officials that have the power to make the needed changes in policies. On today's episode, join your hosts, Joshua and Samara, and special guests, Rochelle and Renard, as they talk about the state of public transit in Detroit. Uh, welcome, Renard and Rochelle. Can you please introduce yourselves and tell us why you're so passionate about transit justice in Detroit and how long you've been riding public transportation? Well, my name is Rochelle Stewart. Uh, I'm so passionate about transit because I ride the bus. I am an essential bus rider, plus I have a lot of family members and friends that ride. First thing they're talking about, how unreliable the buses are, the way the transportation system has changed over the years. And I just love fighting for things about Detroit residents, whether it's housing, transit, or whatever other issues. I'm in on it. What about you, Renard? Hi, Renard Wyshynski. Glad to be on. I'm uh, really passionate about transit justice in Detroit because I use the system. I'm using it for over 15 years. It's been part of my childhood. And I actually remember when the service was actually reliable and met the needs of everyone from students to workers to seniors, right? So um, I'm just passionate because it's our way that we access our city and you don't have to have a car to live in the city and I do believe in that wholeheartedly and that's why I fight for transit justice. Yeah so you're talking about you fight for transit justice how do you do so like what are you guys a part of? Okay so um, I organized the transit justice team and we have been organizing for transit equity and justice in Detroit since 2015 and we have quite a few wins that we were able to accomplish for transit riders like restoring 24-hour bus service and also increasing rider participation in community input meetings. Just a few examples of the work that we've been doing to fight for transit justice in Detroit. Nice, nice. And this is the Detroit People's Platform Transit Justice Team. Yes, yes. Um, We represent over 500 essential riders across the city of Detroit. All right, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. Can you tell us about the, the current state of public transportation in Detroit right now? Can you paint us a picture? It is designed to displace it is designed to fail and it's not reliable for Detroiters right now. It has not been reliable for over the past five to 10 years. It's been underinvested in over the past 10 to 15 to 20 years as well too. Um, the main routes, if you live in a more gentrified area, it is going to work a little bit better for you. But if you live in majority black neighborhoods across the city, either on the west or east side of Detroit, and it's unreliable. You're dealing with once an hour bus service. You're dealing with service that frustrates you and really, really makes you think, like, how long do I want to stay in this city? How long do I want to put up with this? Um, Jobs don't want to hire people that are bus riders as well, too. So really, I believe the system is designed to fail, is barely funded, and it's really designed to push us out of Detroit because of the lack of access to not only just jobs, but medical care, grocery stores, shopping, um, other essential purposes, social services. And then it's getting a lot of children late for school, which jeopardizes family um, members in terms of their benefits and things of the sort, like healthcare, food access, all of that. It doesn't work. That's that's how I see the transit system of Detroit. It is not working for us. 
It's like Bernard say, we don't have on time buses. You have people waiting for sometimes hours. It's a tragedy that people have to leave for work two and three hours ahead of time, plus having two and three hours to get back from work. That's more than they nine hours or 10 hours they should be out there. You have people out here for 14, 15 hours trying to just get their income to survive. Uh, I think that, you know, the bus systems need to be revamped. They don't need to have any cancellations of these buses because that's going to put people into an ordeal that they have to find another way of getting to their jobs. Mm -hmm. And it might take longer for them to get to that next route that they go. Then they have to find the next route that's going to interchange to get them where they're going. So I just think we need to just do a better job. DDOT needs to get on their business. They are getting too much money from CARES funds, the American Rescue Funds, not to use these to vitalize and rebuild this system the way it should be. I'll just say this. Imagine having to take two to three buses to get to your destination. Imagine you don't even have a seat to sit when you're waiting for that bus and it's raining outside and it's 845 in the morning as well, too. Mm -hmm. To paint you a picture, that's what our system looks like. Mm -hmm. It looks like it doesn't care about us. Right. And Rochelle, you mentioned they don't need to go through with cancellations. Like, what's going on with that? Like, what cancellations are happening? Well, we have three bus routes that are being eliminated totally. Mm -hmm. Your junction, your Claremont, and your Tyrant. And I look at that as people have to get to work. You have school systems on their line. So we don't have children that's going to be standing out. It's wintertime. They're getting ready to do this November the 15th. At a time where it's getting cold, people's going to be out there. Some people will get frostbitten sitting out here waiting for these buses. Mm -hmm. They need to do something about that because you can't sue the bus system. But if you have people out here getting injured, getting hurt because of the decline in service, I just think that's a tragedy. So, yeah, you talk about cancellations. Um, and we've seen it a lot in the, like the last decade. Uh, we've seen a decline in service. You know, why do you think that is? I mean, because... We started seeing that decline pre-COVID. Yes. So people in other cities are just now starting to see that yes. because of COVID. So what was going on in Detroit? Like, I just need to know. If Why you, is that? If you look at it, everything is about design. We've been having gentrification since the beginning of this country, this United States. Um, it's always been where, as you know, you let people in, your immigrants in. Uh, once they get to a certain point, the others want it back. And they're going to take it back through gentrification. They're going to push us out any way that they can. If it's giving us lack of services, lack of proper affordable housing, transit, all the things that we need. People get frustrated and they will move out the city and back into the suburbs. And the suburbanites will move back into the city where they have a glorious waterfront and all that accessibility to all the things that they want. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I would say let's start with the decline and why it's been declining. Let's start with funding. What money you put into a department, a city service, so DDOT is part of the city of Detroit administration that's under the mayor's office as one of the departments. And over the past 10 years, it's barely gotten any funding. Um, its amounts will range to $130 million to $140 million for the state's largest carrier, one of the largest carriers. That is nearly not enough money to do that. We are the lowest funding per head in terms of per capita funding. Cleveland is way higher than us, and that's a city with similar demographics, right? But I believe it's because the city of Detroit is majority black is why we have declined in service and underinvestment into it as well. And also it's not seen 
as a funding priority or a budget priority for Detroit when we go through our annual budget because bus riders are devalued in this city. We're 87% black in terms of ridership in the city, so that could possibly be another reason with additional 8% minority ridership and then remaining Caucasian. But if you look at other cities and their populations and their demographics, they're getting funded because those systems are not majority black funded as well. So I think this has to be tied in with race as well too. Our city does not see bus riders as a viable constituency or as a constituency worth of investing in in the city. The auto industry and developers take more investment from Detroit um, than our city services. So DDOT is just one of many city services that are part of our day-to-day living in the city, our crucial living that has been underfunded as well. So it's been that. Um, it's been transit cuts. And then even prior up to COVID-19, DDOT was actually one of the few carriers nationwide that actually start to see an increase in transit service before COVID-19 took that away. It was very small, but um, that was due to increase in 24-hour service, nighttime service, and things of that sort. We've been dealing with it for years because we don't have leadership at the city level that cares about bus riders, to be quite honest. And that's why it's so important that we organize with the transit justice team and getting other riders aware of these issues as well. Because if we don't have a voice, then they can do this for the next decade. They can do this for five years. But I'm just going to put this out here. I don't think they want the city's largest black transportation carrier to have money or to exist yes we even had a time where we didn't even have reliable buses the buses was breaking down and the city couldn't even afford to buy buses it was the big businesses general motors fords buying buses to bring into this city where we had lack of funding to even buy them now that we have them they are trying to do eco-friendly buses but it's not enough especially when the ridership is where it's at uh, the need for it to be on time. It's mm-hmm. its just an unreliable system that needs to be revamped all the way. Yeah, because I do remember um, pre-COVID, we were on our way. Like, mm-hmm. they yes. had increased uh, bus service. I mean, there were, like you said, there were 24-hour routes. We were getting these shiny new buses. Buses, buses were starting to be on time. Like, I was, they were. I was they super were. impressed with how well the transit system was being handled. Um, and then COVID hit. And actually, during COVID, the bus still was pretty regular. It was still very... It was still regular, yeah. right? Yeah. And even, even though there weren't as many people on the bus, people were still on the bus, and it was running great. Um, and then suddenly, you know, people, you know, they started collecting fares. Yes. Yep. Yeah. DDOT started collecting fares. Um, and then all of a sudden, it's an issue now. We don't have the money. So what was going on during COVID? Like, they were getting money. Exactly. Right? I, they I weren't understand. like like you weren't paying them, but they were getting you know like you said the CARES fund and the ARP funds, um, and then now suddenly it's an issue. It makes me think it, about our next point, like in terms of like funding. Where did they get the money for this new state fairgrounds transit center? Like where did that money come from? <laughs> it came since, from... since we don't have money. Where is this money coming from? Yeah. <laughs> but it sold the state fairgrounds to the Sterling Group. Uh, Sterling Group. He's bringing Amazon here. 
uh, the funding is coming from the Sterling Group. You're supposed to get $7 million for this state fair transit system. And I keep asking them, what kind of transit system is it going to be when 10 years ago, Rosa Parks cost over $20 million. So, I mean, if it costs that much, what are we going to get for $7 million for this state fair transit center? We need all sorts of things. It's elderly people that live around there. You know, we don't know what the air quality is going to be with all these buses coming in and out. Uh, you need electrical outlets for your uh, motorized vehicles for ADA. They need a separate place for them coming and going beside the buses. It's just, you know, 24-hour bathroom service, surveillance. We need 24-hour surveillance. That's a shopping area. You got people that's going into Amazon. You don't know who these people are that's going in and out and what's going to be around these places. But once those businesses close, those people are left defenseless if it's not some kind of security going on around there. That was the question that was coming up a lot during um, the meetings that we were having, uh, that essential riders were having with the who, the reps who were going to be designing state fairgrounds, as well as um, Mike Michael Oglesby. I can never remember like yeah, I, I, I always yeah. I always Nick call him Mike. Oglesby. I always call him Mike or Michael. I can never but Mr. Oglesby, <laughs> <laughs> who is the head of D Dot. Um, a lot of that a lot of those questions came up. It was like, what are we gonna do about surveillance? Because you know, we need the bathrooms to be open 24 hours. Yes. We need, because there are 24 hour buses. Right. We, it gets cold here. It's Michigan. Yes. We need some place to go where it'll be warm. And so, you know, obviously, um, D Dot, they're like, well, we need to make sure that, you know, our, that, that there's surveillance and that you people aren't doing anything wrong is basically how I got the yeah, gist of things. That's what and, I was, and, like, you we're know, criminal they, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like, to be watched. Yeah, the city has always treated its citizens as criminals. And I believe that that is directly tied to the fact that we are a majority black city mm -hmm. and there's that stigma that black people are just thieves and crooks and we don't deserve anything more than what they give us. And that's still kind of the attitude, especially and that's the attitude that DDOT carries, the attitude that certain people in office definitely carry. And that's how our our city is ran. And I think safety needs to be redefined as well, too. I think the, uh, the, the center, the new transit center is going to be dangerous because it's not 24 hours, yes. because they're going to have people outside in the elements not being able to use facilities or um, they were, they're going to have sundry shops in there and things of that sort. But I want to answer the previous question. Mm -hmm. Rochelle is absolutely correct. It is um, from the proceeds of the city selling our public land, 142 acres to Sterling and Hillwood Group, that's seven million that they have committed to the city of Detroit for this transit center. And I do share the concerns. I don't see how seven million is going to build a equitable and accessible transit center that is also safe in terms of access, restrooms, um, and protection from the elements and most importantly pollution and also the uh, pedestrian risks as well too there's going to be a lot of trucks and a lot of vehicles employee vehicles for the Meyer gateway area then amazon where do riders fit into this where do mm -hmm. disabled riders fit into this as well in terms of the safety of that transit center and the, they decided to put this smack dab in the middle of the development yes. where we're going to be dealing with um pollution air pollution and we already have these sacrifice zones all across the city with Stellantis, with the marathon plant with the new gordy howe bridge yes. this development this is just another example where black riders health 
and disabled writers' health is pushed aside for profits of a corporation that can't even pay union wages and things of that sort as well, too. We don't even now, like, I, I agree with Rochelle, like, I don't even think, how, how are seniors going to be able to access that center? How are um, residents around the area going to be able to access the center when um, it's already there? So... That those are some concerns that I have about that as well too. But it's 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 this element that riders there's people that don't ride the bus but assume that we have to be watched and surveilled all the time. Mm-hmm. We have green light in the Rosa Parks Transit Center. We have these cameras on the buses and our drivers are still in danger. So it's a deeper issue going on here is people being neglected at the end of the day, lack of um, mental health resources and other things. We even advocated for a resource mm-hmm. board or center with yes. phone numbers someone can call if someone's in crisis, like a homeless individual or someone, you know, anything can happen to riders and things of that sort, medical emergencies. So when we talk about safety, we're not talking about that. We're talking about policing black bodies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And you know what the biggest concern is too? Uh, they have an 18 month limit that this transit center should be up and running. If it's not, then Detroit is responsible for getting the Amazon workers from that point to the plant. And I'm wondering when I asked over, so I said, well, what about the central bus riders? If it's not finished in 18 months and you're going to transport Amazon employees to their building, what about the central bus riders? Mm-hmm. How are they going to get transported? to where they need to be you know we're just as important as amazon and i don't think people know how far that walk is yes from woodward to um eight mile like that's that's not a short walk no for anybody yeah i went up there recently uh because my gym is over in that area and i was riding past and was like yeah that's a walk and it's gonna still be a walk right like when they build Mm that center yeah, is still going to be a weird We don't know walk, where, right? where the shelters are going to be placed leading yes. to that transit center. Exactly. We don't even know the routing, like the pedestrian routing and the bus routing for it yet. They mm-hmm. do have some maps to that, but I admit I'm still confused yeah. about I'm, that as yeah. well. And there's still a lack of information. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They haven't explained things. You're getting well. a new transit center. Be happy about it. Yes. That's the attitude. Yeah. I, I can't know. be happy about this new one when the old one, Rose Parks, you know, they still have their issues. Yes. It's still it's still semi closed off to the public. Like they're just like Yeah. You can't No, you can't use the bathroom. No, you can't come to the kiosk. No, you can't stand in here. You know, even pre COVID, you know, they had that same attitude. It was very unwelcome. And now that COVID is here, they're using COVID as the excuse. Yeah. I I just it's all about it's all about Control. Control of black bodies. Mm -hmm. We don't want you in this transit center. We don't, Mm -hmm. we barely want you to get schedules out of here and ask questions. We don't want to see you or service you. Mm -hmm. You're not worthy of service. That's what they're saying to us. And then this whole thing is about a a billionaire organization or a corporation or a wealthy person being able to buy a swath of land and then displace riders and put a transit center wherever they see fit. Not our words matter. No, they don't. Uh, But we make sure that we're heard. We make sure that we organize to get riders um, to these events in these meetings that are um, speaking about state fairgrounds and other changes to our transit center because we're not going to accept that. We're not going to accept less than less, but they 
make these moves because they feel like they can. And it's up to us to have our power and use our power, which is our voice, um, to push back against this as well. And now, like, the sale has already went through. They rushed this through the city planning commission. They rushed it through city council. They did it so they wouldn't have to be accountable. And they rushed other processes so there wouldn't be an environmental sort of um, study done for that or a health impact study done. They rushed these things we, we don't get the benefit of um, a, a project that has input from residents, right? We, we don't get that. We get, we're getting a new shiny transit center, deal with it. And I'm going to be really honest, over the past years prior to this, we have been advocating for changes to the current state fair transit yes. center or hub or whatever they want to call it for restrooms they could open up the restroom there and, and, and i don't want to get it they, they they talk about it's not a real transit center it's just a bunch of the shelters stop there, don't they, they yes. stop there they transfer <laughs> riders transfer there. in between routes it's a transit center to me right. but they didn't have restroom access so having spinning restroom access as a bonus for this new transit center is an insult to us as essential riders. And as you know, Renard, we've been asking for the last year, going into the meetings, asking them at least have a focus group that's ongoing until this transit center is up and running. I mean, get the input from these central bus riders that's going to use this hub. I'm going to say something to this day, to we haven't got You know why? Because there's been... This only applies to projects that have a CBA attached to it when there's public money. They intentionally didn't give away public um, funding so, so they could bypass the CBA process. That would have been accomplished by a neighborhood advisory council, which would have sat bus riders onto that council and people from the neighborhood so they can talk about the impact and win benefits for riders like ourselves. Mm -hmm. um, instead of this. So they went, through, they went through a very expedited rush process so they don't have to be accountable to riders and to the public. All right, so yeah. they think. Real quick, what's a CBA? Because I don't know. If Community right. Benefit Agreement. Okay, thank you, thank you. Yeah. Awesome. That is, awesome. you want to say what it is? That's for any business that come into this city and use our tax dollars that we give them to use to build their plants or whatever. They supposed to sit down with those residents in that neighborhood and do an agreement with them, whether it's grants for fixing up their houses, help restore their parks or their schools or whatever but they need to sit down with the residents and come up with a solution dollars to help that neighborhood right and in the absence of this qualifying for the cba ordinance i agree with you 100 we are owed this we yes. are owed some sort of focus group or some sort of advisory body that can advise the city and the transit department on this the other sneaky thing they did is the transit department is not directly involved in the sale yes. or this transit center the city of detroit has enjoined ddot into this as a department mm -hmm. so the department does not have that much oversight and things of that sort everything falls back to the city so like i'm getting y'all been uh organizers for a while we've been doing transit justice with dpp maybe before two maybe for a while now i've been doing it for almost three years now and i tell you i have been overjoyed to be here with dpp <laughs> i'm a bus captain we go out and do ppe you know give people information on the ddot meetings different things that's going on throughout the transportation system so 
it's just something I enjoy doing. Like I said, I love doing anything that's helping our residents in the city of Detroit. All right. So I just moved back here a little while ago, and, but when I, I did leave about a decade ago, and I noticed that the city was going through some kind of weird transition. Mm -hmm. I came back from college a few times. Yes. Um, and there's all kind of displacement going on in terms of housing. I see people with houses now just not there anymore. People being kicked out, all kind of things. Oh yeah, is that happening with transportation at all? Like, besides what you've already mentioned, I would say so. We've collected data back in 2016, 15 and 16, when they did transit cuts, then and it caused people to move out of their homes mm -hmm. because they couldn't access their jobs. <laughs> There's no telling. Um, when new data is collected, how many people were impacted by COVID-19, um, lack of bus service, or a lot of people just haven't returned to riding the bus mm -hmm. since COVID-19 as well. And now I think the displacement started with them collecting fares in the middle of a pandemic as well, too. That really just turned off a lot of people from riding the bus. And while in other cities, they still have fare-free service, um, riders are still getting hazard pay. No, I'm sorry, drivers are getting hazard pay. Um, here in Detroit, um, the, they're sh thinking about shrinking the service, um, shrinking frequency, so buses are only running once or twice or three times an hour. That's just going to discourage. It's, it's, it's really a move to design to shrink service in majority black neighborhoods. They only want mm -hmm. to concentrate service in the gentrified areas, mm -hmm. strategic neighborhoods that mm -hmm. the administration has been putting together um, through the city departments that will only invest services in specific areas right. around the city, right. whereas us in the gaps mm -hmm. are going to deal with more unreliable service. They hope that we just vote with our feet and move. <laughs> right. And, right. Right. and, 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 yeah. and, and, and the reasoning in doing it Rents are skyrocketing. You don't have any low-income, affordable housing for people. Uh, the standards and where they set the amount it to do affordable housing. It's a lot of people don't even make a thousand dollars. So how are they going to even? Yeah, and if you want to live along a good bus route, you're going to have uh, access to good housing. You don't have access to good supermarkets to the things that you need to get to. So it's people just moving out because things are not accessible. Things are too high. There's a yeah. there's another thing too. Bus riders are paying a higher, I would say, transportation tax or expenses compared to car drivers mm -hmm. as well because the Uber and Lyft rides. Um, if you're disabled, you are you even have less access to transit. You are dealing with a paratransit system that doesn't even work for you. So you're displacing disabled Black Detroiters. You're displacing majority Black neighborhoods. You're displacing workers, parents, and people who are aging in place or senior citizens that are still independent and use the transit system. Um, you're displacing workers and just people from the neighborhoods of Detroit that the city have neglected over the past five to 10 years. And it is it's sickening, but there is something we can do about that for sure. I, I know you guys are talking about displacement during COVID, but I will go so far as to say that the displacement of majority Black Detroit transit riders um, started well before COVID. Oh right? yeah, absolutely. So, like, can you guys talk a little bit about that? Like, what what was happening? I know for a fact, um, one of the big things was the project around the M1 rail, the Q line, um, and the displacement of uh, riders along the along the Woodward route. Right. So, yeah. what happened with that? That happened what a couple five years ago. I got a really remember. specific example mm -hmm. about that too. Mm -hmm. 
It started with the placement of bus routes as well, too. Like, let's take Cass, for example, where the Dexter bus rides along. They were putting the bike lanes on, right? And I'm not going to speak about bike lanes or going to that. That's not the gist of this podcast. But the placement (laughs) of those bike lanes have also displaced stops. There's been a moment where I was walking with a friend. And there was a senior citizen. I believe it was you. It was me. It was you. (laughs) A friend. Yeah. (laughs) And she was so far in between both of the stops. We were um, on Cass near Catfield. There was no bus stop near for this lady. We flagged down the driver so she can board the bus. So there's another group we're talking about, which are the elderly who are um, been displaced. Um, When Woodward was um, removed off of Woodward due to the queue line as well, that displaced black businesses it ruined it actually eliminated them they've been yes. around for 30 years and paid their taxes have served the community mm-hmm. and bus riders that used to ride the woman number 53 up and down <laughs> before they changed it to number four so there's cultural gentrification going on changing the bus names Thanks and numbers. routes as well too and then changing where they go rerouting them so they're excluding neighborhoods a lot of this stuff was going on before covid yeah. as well too canceling monthly meetings and we had to yeah. Do makeshift meetings and (laughs) meetings with the director afterwards to get that for folks, too. So there's also a lack of information for for that as well. So there's been um, the introduction of these specialized express routes that were serving these gentrified neighborhoods. Those routes started getting cut um, as well, too. But for other routes, we were going through some service expansion before all of this um, happened, but it wasn't reaching everyone. People were still waiting, for example, for the Jefferson number nine for two and a half hours on a Saturday or during the weekday. The current schedule is not even working. Um, Prior to them proposing this November 15 cuts Mm -hmm. um, as well. So if you are along a neighborhood route like Southfield, Plymouth, um, Conant, you're you already experiencing displacement yeah. just by the lack of reliable bus service. Yeah. And I, I remember when, you know, the Woodward bus got rerouted. It was, yeah. what, what was the initial plan? It was like something crazy. Like it wouldn't even go, it didn't go to Rosa Parks anymore. No. It did some weird like roundabout thing and it comes up near what, Grand Circus? Yes, it was so it strange. Yeah, they, um, yeah. they, they rerouted the route like we wanted to go straight through Woodward to downtown Detroit, mm-hmm. but the the way they rerouted it was to um, at first they routed it to the Rosa Parks Transit Center when mm-hmm. the Q line was under construction as some mm-hmm. sort of like um, concession, right? When the Q line was already built, we wanted the Woodward back uh, service back on Woodward. They they had plans to displace the Woodward all the way from I think Mac. I'm okay. Some um, some plans were from the boulevard to ride it down Cass. Mm-hmm. They didn't even want it to ride down Woodward, which is our main route. Mm-hmm. Um, and why well. was that? Well, why do you think that was? They didn't want. They didn't want. It didn't they didn't want majority Q-Land. black Detroit in downtown Detroit. Mm-hmm. They didn't want to see us down there in yeah. Gilbert Land. That's why. Yeah. They didn't want to, even though they need us to uh, bust the uh, food, the drinks, and these restaurants and these bars and these new businesses. But down they there, they didn't want to see us. No. Yeah. They didn't care how we got down there. They didn't want to see us. Yeah. But we acted, got those petitions signed, and they rerouted the bus that I think serves an equitable location mm-hmm. for essential workers. But um, this queue line is there 
It's a waste of money. It's, it's, it's a waste of money. Just say what it is. Yeah. It's, it's a waste it's not of money. Accessible to the it's not even people. public transportation. It's yeah. not. But they're taking our public dollars mm-hmm. and using towards it. And I don't have any. They wanted to see if they can get rid of a Woolworth bus line with this Q line and see if they can get away with it, and they Mm -hmm. did not. That's that's what they were doing to the Woolworth line then. So that was displacement then. There's there's been a pattern of displacement and shifting of services long before. And if people really look at it, you can see the different stages of them gentrifying our city slowly but surely. But if you're not paying attention, you'll overlook it. But that Q line is not necessary. It's only for people that's from downtown to West Grand Mm -hmm. Boulevard. And I don't live downtown to West Grand Boulevard. You know, the workers that's at Dan Gilbert's and Illich's and all these big businesses, yes, they use it. But basically, we don't use it. It really, it doesn't go anywhere. No. And, and you know, even though, you know, the, the now the Woodward bus doesn't even go to Rosa Parks. They're still displacing us. It only goes yeah. to where? It only goes down to Woodward to, like, um, Gratiot? What down is that? to Grand... Grand, what is it? Oh, no, no, no. Campus Marshes, and then in front of Lawrence, and then back up to mm-hmm. Campus Marshes. So then people still have to get off of the bus they used and to, walk. Yes. Yeah. All the way down um, to the Rosa Parks Transit Center. So it's still, it's just not accessible. What about people who are, like they have ADA needs, you know, wheelchair. And Mm -hmm. and like, if you look at it, it's not a very accessible route, like to walk, let alone like, like be in a wheelchair. Right. Or have like some sort of um, issue with your legs, you know. It's just it, it's there's always weird construction. There's always like potholes. The, 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 the stops are placed yes. so yeah. far, apart so far from each apart. Other as well, too. it's, it's, very it's a good ten minute walk yeah. from Woodward to the Rosa Parks Transit Center. And if you've been looking all over the city, we have areas like Livernois and Seven Mile, Grandmont, Rosedale Park area. They just took the street and in some places it's only one lane they have took the other lane is the bike lane here then they have another little thing where it's some benches sitting out in the street oh, in like the middle the of the street i mean it's like we don't have traffic grand river is a busy street Livernois is busy up through there. You get one little lane and you got all this parking for all these businesses. But they didn't communicate that to it's us like as this. well. They're- Make parking lots for those businesses. It's spaces along Livernois. It's spaces along some of these routes where you can make parking available instead of having it along the sides of the street. Another thing, the way the bus lanes and the doggone bike lanes, the way they have it on some streets, people can really get seriously hurt. That's I thought I, maybe I, yeah, they I would put the bike lanes up on the sidewalk with the mm-hmm. people walking the sidewalks, you know, and make the little dips so they can do that. Instead of having bike lanes in the street along with transit. That, that and now they're putting um, bus stops inside the street. Yes. They call them floating bus stops. Yes. And now th- I've seen Grand River and that's the route I grew up, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. As well to completely change. So they're using street capes, yes. streetscapes mm-hmm. as a way to gentrify out bus yes. riders as well too. And Jefferson is next. Yes. And it's no coincidence that the service is slow along these routes, mm-hmm. except for Grand River. That's actually one of the most reliable buses out mm-hmm. there. But these streetscapes and these plans that are not involving majority Detroit mm-hmm. and bus riders and the central riders. Um, that's that's yeah. just another example of how they're displacing us. Right, you know, they don't communicate with us. We never had any 
somebody to tell us that they was going to do these kind of streetscapes. No. You know, they just said, okay, we're having 10, 10 neighborhoods we're doing initiatives in. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm glad they didn't put it in my neighborhood because my neighborhood is one of those 10 initiatives and uh, I don't see anything that's really changing besides demolition of houses in my mm-hmm. neighborhood. You know, we still got a lot of vacant land. They did say there's people coming in that's going to be a housing but that has nothing to do with transit. But I'm just saying, these initiatives was really built to do with the better neighborhoods. Mm-hmm. They're getting the brunt of the things that they need, whereas the ones that's like mine, we're just still sitting back in the 1960s trying to come right. back up. <laughs> and, you, and you guys, I know, you have, I forget which one of you mentioned um, the fact that the Q-Line used public funds uh, to be actually built. So how much... <laughs> how much was it? And I also, yeah, yeah, real quick, how much did they use our public dollars? And then on top of that, just for fun, what could DDOT have done with that money instead? Like, so what could the bus much. system have done with that money? So they that's use, a two-parter. Okay. <laughs> they use one red cent too much for public uh, uh, for public dollars, first of all. It shouldn't have gotten no public dollars. So I would say over $70 million of public funding has been mm-hmm. put into this queue line um, at the detriment and at the expense of essential riders and DDOT. Over 70-something million dollars, which is more than what DDOT gets from the city budget um, from the general fund, which is usually 66 or 67 million. So let me answer the other question. Adding that 70-something million to DDOT's budget from the city and then the state and federal government, DDOT could have solved this driver issue a long time ago with higher wages. They could have put um, technology on the buses um, for the driver securement. And also, um, they could have fixed shelters across the city of Detroit, which or actually put shelters, put shelters around, <laughs> um, fixed the stops, which is just merely a sign, not even putting a trash can in a seat nearby as well, too. So uh-huh. we're littering. We're also standing for way too long to ride our bus. Um, we could have put Wi-Fi on the buses. But they, they promised us Wi-Fi long before um, COVID, and it's still not on the buses That's right. like that. Barely at the transit center. I still can't use that but putting wi-fi on the buses would have divided got rid of the digital divide divide. students would have been able to use that um workers would have been able to catch up on emails and things of that sort um people could use that for general information and routing to get around the city you need an internet connection to even plan your ride sometimes on your phone or use some of these apps as well too so uh, we could have bridged the digital divide increase service in neighborhood areas put more shelters and seats down um improve communications and staff at the transit hubs and centers as well too and had an actual media presence in the city of detroit by making announcements to the news having some sort of channel or some sort of podcast or something, some sort of communication between DDOT and the writers. Those are my ideas. I even uh, suggested to Ozilby in our meeting, uh, use your transit police officers. They only get on the bus for 15 minutes at a time when they get on there and they stand up at the front. Maybe they tell you to put on a mask or this and that and other, but they need to go through that bus. Talk to the central bus riders. See what their comments is on what's good about the bus and what's bad about the bus. And at the same time, they can have some leaflets to give out about the DDOT meetings, the changes that's going on with DDOT. Where they they call for when it's something, you know, something that's going wrong or a bus is late or, you know, whatever. But they don't do that. I keep saying use the transit police. They're there for a reason. They're not on there that long. They get off the 
car is waiting for them and it takes them to the next mm-hmm. bus that they're going to stay on for 15 minutes. Well, if you're only getting paid for 15 minutes at a time on that bus, I think you can do something while you're on that bus. We talk about defunding the police right across the country, especially in the light of George Floyd's murder last year, right? And all the protests that have taken place in 2020. Um, with that, one, don't ever use the buses to transport um, people that have been arrested or detained by police yes. like they did, DDOT buses. That's and right. then tell us they don't have enough buses to serve the city. Um, also, the thing is, instead of transit police, how about transit ambassadors yes. using Rochella's idea to communicate with riders, do survey, yes. talk, um, help someone with family issues and things of that sort or destination mm-hmm. issues so someone can't find their destination and things of that sort and also run the system for those that have been writing it and using it for the past 20 30 years yes. not for newcomers to come here and design it for their needs at our expense right. yes you know that's what to answer the earlier question that's what the queue line is yes. it's a vanity project to pretend that they are serving a certain selective people uh, or pretending they're serving all of us who really they're serving a more white and affluent residents here in the city at our detriment as well too right. someone on Plymouth can't catch a bus on time or someone on Schaefer has to wait every other hour every hour to catch a bus but you can ride the slow queue line that took too much yes. of our federal dollars and what are the priorities were, for essential riders and if it was going to be a queue line that I think that that should have been a mass transit deal where it started maybe in Pontiac came on through to Detroit. Yeah, that would have brought so much the airport and all the way to Ann Arbor. If you was going to do a mass transit system, that's what it should have been to help all these central riders from Pontiac to Ann Arbor. That's the way I see it because it's needed. I would kind of agree with that. Yes. Yeah. I have not spent the majority of my adult life here. I've, I've lived in Seattle, Portland, Texas for a little while. Ooh, good transit cities. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and when I left here, when yeah, I was I went, and I lived in Ipsy for a while uh, during college, uh, Ipsy and Ann Arbor. Mm-hmm. Even moving there yeah. at 18, it was a great difference from catching the yes. bus. Yes, huge before. difference. I, 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 yeah. exactly, I lived in Ann Arbor from that time, from 2007 to 11. I never knew that a bus system could be reliable. That's oh, right. What? Ipsy. <laughs> <laughs> and when I moved to Portland, it was kind of Portland. It was kind of what you just described. Yes. Everything you just said exists there. Yes. In a way that you can get to different parts uh, of the city very easily. Because I did yes. it for different job interviews and I was never late. When wow. You, when you never. have your... Even if I was running late, there was a bus It was a bus or a train or, or, yes. or a transit thing that happened to the city. It comes every 10 minutes. You have that in, wow. in Texas. You have it in Denver. You have oh, it in yeah. Seattle. And the places that you have it in, you can get north, south, east, west. Yeah downtown, midtown, wherever in those cities, you know. And, I did and, notice that we weren't there in most of those places. Yes. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was saying. <laughs> How many people live in those cities and like, even in those nicer transit cities as well too, do they service majority black neighborhoods as well too? Do lines yeah. go to certain uh-huh. areas? So those transit center systems might look nice, yeah. but what areas are they serving even in those other communities as well too? But we have an entire system here that our city government is is um what is that word where you're trying to make it fail um uh, jeopardize sabotage sabotaging yeah. DDOT because they don't they don't they don't want us here in the city of Detroit and I can only imagine if the demographics and I say if they change and I'm not going to say anymore but I think they would improve the transit system if they got the desired demographic mm. which would be a wider and more fluent city they've already shown if that. that happens they've already shown that with some of the routes yes well, I look at our director Mr. Oglesby 
And he should be more concerned and more dedicated to getting our bus system back to, you know, upgrade to where it should be. Uh, he is a son of a bus driver. So you of all people should know the things that your father encountered, the things that the people encountered that rode the bus with him. So I think that he would be a little bit better than he is at this. Uh, Mr. Oglesby, please help us get this transit system up to where it should be, not just for the gentrification people, but the people that have lived here all their lives and supported this transportation system. We need him to do his job. Period. If he was here to turn around the system, then do that because I don't see results. It's been since 2020 when he grabbed the helm um, or control of DDOT and in the spring of 2020, um, even after they abruptly shut down the service for one day during the pandemic outbreak. And if it what wasn't for the transit team reacting, sending the letter out um, to reopen service with certain conditions, where mm. would we have been today? That's right. You know. So what can majority of Black Detroit do to change this? What can the people who actually live here take it who may not know exactly, okay, I'm mad, I'm angry. What do I do now? What, are the, what, do, you, what, do, you, what do we tell the everyday people? I, I'll go first. Then. You go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, number one, you can get involved with your transit system. You can go to these DLAT monthly meetings. You can get on your phone, give comments, your concerns, tell DLAT how you feel if the bus is just late. But the most important thing that you can do is get out here and elect officials in this city that's gonna do the things that you need done for you. I'm not talking about what's going on in our government today and I'm not gonna evaluate on it, but these people need to get out here in this election year and vote on their city council members, their mayor. When is that again? Research these people. November the 2nd, get out and vote. <laughs> this is a majority black Detroit and we deserve better. So don't forget to use your power to vote for elected officials who value people over profit in this upcoming general election on November the 2nd. Get out and vote, Detroit. We are a majority black city and we deserve better. I'm also going to say this. You're tired of the transit system? You want to uh, learn how to hold our elected and our appointed officials accountable? Join the Transit Justice team. We are on Facebook. If you search for Transit Talks for the Facebook groups, you can join us there. You can go to www.DetroitPeoplesPlatform.org and there is a link to register with the Transit team and join us as well, too. I'm going to um, put my email address out there, Renard at DetroitPeoplesPlatform.org. That's a way to join the Transit Justice team as well, too. And then our DPP Hotline. Just leave your name, your phone number, and that you're a bus rider. And we meet every Thursday, except the third Thursday of the month, because we attend the DDOT community input meeting. So that's one way to hold DDOT accountable is to attend the third Thursday monthly virtual meetings they have at five o'clock. Um, we post that information on Transit Talks every month. Um, Transit Talks is the media arm of the Transit Justice team. And then we are looking for people to canvas with us to distribute PPE equipment, to get the word out about the transit cuts, and to support um, the DDOT Bill of Rights, which is going to be our roadmap to better transit service moving into 2022 as well. So if you're tired of this system in the way that it is, there are people that are organizing on our behalf, all of our collective behalf as essential riders to ensure we have a racially equitable and just transit system for Detroit. We deserve that and majority Black Detroit deserves a transit system that is uh, reliable, accessible, 
and meets our needs. Mm -hmm. I was I was gonna say that um, people who are concerned, they have an opportunity that's coming up really soon to join in and get involved. Um, can you tell us about that? Yes, we are hosting the eighth Power Building Forum on October the 28th. We are going to be live from 5.30 to 7.30 on Transit Talks. We also have a registration link that will be coming out that's already out soon. You will be able to register for our Power Building Forum where we'll talk about the state fairgrounds in further detail um, and demanding a health impact analysis and also a focus group as well. We're going to learn more about these transit cuts and how to push back against it as well too. You'll learn about the story about this state fair center and how this was used up to, you know, displace transit riders and displace the current transit center as well too and to build power as a bus rider with us. That's the main thing that's important and that's why we call it the power building form as well too. So not only you're informed, but you're armed with accountability tools in the means to hold our appointed officials accountable, like Michael Oglesby, the director of DDOT, the mayor, and also the city council, which funds our transit system as well, too. So you will be in the know. We meet weekly and we meet with the department monthly as well. Join us. And also, if you join us, please, we have different areas that you can contribute to if you want to join us. We have the transit justice team. We have bus captains where we go out and do our PPE and give our information what's going on with DDOT. And we also have transit walks and transit talks. Okay, so please come out. Join us on this forum. If you love it, come and join us and help us out here. Volunteer to help this transit system become one of the best transit systems in the city. It takes I mean, us. Country. It takes you and register for our forum for October the 28th at 5.30 p.m. on Thursday. That's just your first step. Nice. And always remember that majority Black Detroit matters. Yes. Well, I would like to thank you both for coming out and speaking with us today, trying to get the word out to our people. Like, it was just probably one of the bigger issues in our city next to housing. Uh, oh, well, yeah. We're tied. We're tied together. Yes. But uh, yeah, thank you for your time. Thank, thank you. you. It's good to be on. Thank, thank you, you for thank having you us. So much. In 2021, Majority Black Detroit deserves better. So don't forget to use your power to vote for elected officials who value people over profit in the upcoming general election in November 2nd. <laughs>